Welcome back to the Trauma-Informed Herbalist Podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Elizabeth Guthrie, and today we're going to discuss meditation and mindfulness when it comes to trauma-informed care. We're going to spend a few minutes talking about different types of meditation, and then we're going to discuss what might not work for some people and what to do if you feel like you want to do meditation and yet you're struggling with it a little bit. We'll kind of talk about how I step people into meditation if they're struggling. And then we'll talk some about breath work and other anchors. And then I want to spend a few minutes discussing guided visualization and the different phrasings that we might consider whether or not we want to use them in guided visualization. Remember, this is your opportunity to brainstorm and to look into things that might be of interest to you. I can't possibly make every recommendation that will work perfectly for you, but if you listen to what I'm discussing here and you find things that you're like, yes, that makes sense, or ooh, I want to try that, make notes about it. Go do a little bit more research. Determine if it's something that works for you and go for it. I do offer one-on-one consultations as part of my wellness care membership. You can check out more information at www.traumainformedherbalist.com. So what is meditation? When somebody says they meditate, they could mean many different things. There's transcendental meditation. There are all kinds of guided meditations available. Some people may be focusing on Buddhist practices such as loving kindness or general mindfulness meditation. So it really does depend on what you are doing in that moment as far as what meditation is going to mean for you. And for some people, meditation changes after they've been through a traumatic event. Meditation was one of the first things that I noticed being different after I started developing symptoms of unresolved trauma. Before I could meditate, I loved it. I could focus my mind very clearly and things could be very beneficial. I would come out of meditation sessions renewed. It was a wonderful experience. After dealing with some trauma, I ended up in a scenario where meditation was either something that would cause me to almost dissociate and I would space out and not be able to to come back to when we were done with meditation, or I would get so wound up into a, a panic listening for things to be going wrong outside the room that we were in or um, almost just like hypervigilance just coming to the forefront where I just could not meditate. I would have to get up and go walk because I would just be in such a panic. And this can be a common thing after trauma. Somebody may find themselves in a state where their brain is on alert. And so when you quiet things down and you turn inward, your brain either has you replay traumatic memories or it has you focused on what could go wrong or what might be going wrong and all the alarm bells are going off and it becomes impossible to get the benefits that people talk about when they talk about meditation and the healing benefits that it provides. So when we're dealing with something like this, what do we do? The first thing is probably we're going to stop meditating until we've had a chance to do some other things to help to resolve the trauma more completely. This might be in different forms of somatic experiencing or herbal somatics or talk therapy, EMDR. There are several different ways that you can approach trying to resolve trauma. And depending on what you've dealt with and depending on your personality, one or more of these ways may be most beneficial for you. 
But once you've got that started and you're starting to see some results there, it can be time to start trying out meditation again. And there are some ways to ease back into it so that you see a little bit more success and you feel a little more confident about it. First of all, you could try a different type of meditation. So if you were doing mindfulness meditation before and the clearing of your mind was really starting to cause you to struggle, then you might try some guided meditations and just some very quick, maybe loving kindness type meditations. However, maybe guided meditations were giving you more of a struggle and maybe there was some phrasing that was being used. You could try a different type of guided meditation or you might try some short bursts of mindfulness meditation to see how that feels. Just like with yoga, there are different ways for us to work on harnessing our mind and bringing ourselves back to a place of equanimity. So we don't have to stick with the same kind of meditation we've been doing in the past. We can adjust our practice and go for something totally different. Maybe yoga nidra becomes your style, whereas transcendental meditation was your style before. Whatever you decide to choose, start with smaller amounts. Maybe you only do five minutes to start. Maybe you do 10, but just do a smaller chunk than what you would normally do. This can create a place where you're still within your window of tolerance. Things feel really good. You're able to recognize that it was a good session. It's a little bit like exercise. If you've struggled with exercise and you come back to it, you don't want to do an hour and a half the first time you try to do exercise again, right? You start with a slower, little bit more gentler, probably a lot shorter exercise routine. Same thing with meditation. And in a similar way, we can start increasing the amount of time that we're doing meditation. But if we get to a point where we start realizing we're having some of the same symptoms we used to have, we just back back down. So say you decide that you're going to increase from 15 to 20 minutes. And the first time you do it, you get to 20 minutes, but you realize that you're feeling some of that dissociation you used to feel. Then back back down to 15 minutes. Stay at that 15 minutes mark for a little while and see how that meditation does you. And then maybe just go up to 17 minutes or 18 minutes and slowly work your way back up to 20. There are other places that you may want to push and you may want to work through sensations that are uncomfortable. But meditation, especially meditation after trauma, is not one of those places. If you're experiencing feelings of overwhelm, feelings of significant anxiety, then you may want to back back down and just go for smaller amounts of time, or you may pivot to a totally different option for you. Sometimes we can even use herbs to give ourselves a little bit better meditation experience. Now, I'm not talking about psychoactive plants. There's all kinds of interesting things on that front, but that's not what I do, right? Think back to the episodes that we were talking about, the nervine herbs and the different ways that we can use those. Some of those that pair well with whatever your nervous system is telling you, those are the herbs that you might want to use before meditation. So for instance, if you've gone through my nervine herbs section and you found a couple that work really well for you, you enjoy them, you may want to use those herbs in a tea before you do meditation. That may be about 30 minutes before you sit down to meditate, you make yourself a cup of this tea and you sip on it. And then when you sit down to do meditation, you're already physically in a more relaxed space. 
the same thing could be said with essential oils, right? There are several different essential oils depending on what you've got going on, depending on whether or not you're in a sympathetic state or a dorsal vagal state when you're dealing with trauma, then you might use the different essential oils that work for you and you might have a little inhaler and just inhale some of the oils right before sitting down for meditation. And you can even at the end of meditation, if you come out of it and you feel really good, you could have a specialized blend that you smell at the end of the meditation. And if you smell that blend every time you feel good after a few months, then you're able to use it at other times to help you come back into that place of feeling very balanced and confident. You could also get into the flower essences. Maybe you've taken some ideas from the last episode and you found a flower essence that's been made locally and you're using that. Or maybe wild oat that we were talking about being so helpful for connecting with your higher purpose. Maybe that's the one that you choose before you sit down for meditation. You can get really creative with this and find things that can be very soothing to your nervous system and help you come into a place where you're better prepared to effectively meditate and gain those benefits from meditation. You may find that breath work is a good anchor for you. Anchors are used a lot in mindfulness meditation where they'll tell you to bring your focus back to your breath, right? But in some instances, breathing can be an activating thought. If you've had medical issues before, if you have breathing difficulties already, some people who have had COVID, breathing is a little bit of an anxiety-inducing feeling for them when they have to sit there and think about their breath. Breath and the ability to breathe has also come into play in, in racial situations and social justice issues. And so there may be people who, when they think of breathing and whether or not they're able to breathe, that could actually be activating for them. And if you're experiencing that, then that's very common. And there are other anchors that we can use. There are other things we can focus on in order to still be able to anchor to something, but not necessarily focus on the breath. Some people find music to be a helpful anchor. It can help to bring them back to their sense of sound. Some people will actually rub their fingers. It's a feeling, a sense of touch that can kind of bring yourself back to that anchor. Some people maybe will candle gaze, watching the flame of a candle as they're meditating. You can get creative and have anchors that are associated with just about any of your senses. So there are many options for anchors in meditation that don't necessarily have to do with breath work. You also don't have to close your eyes to meditate. Closing your eyes can make it easier to focus inward and focus on that part of you in your mind. But for some people, closing their eyes can create a sense of danger because they can't see around them. Or closing their eyes can make flashbacks more vivid, whereas if they keep their eyes open, they stay more grounded in the present. In many of my yoga classes, you'll hear me actively make an effort to say things such as, soften your gaze, and if it feels right, close your eyes. Instead of saying, okay, close your eyes, but you don't have to. <laughs> like I tried to make it flow a little bit better. Some people may tell you that you have to shut your eyes in order to get the full visualization, but it doesn't matter if you are struggling with trauma. 
Because if you're shutting your eyes and all that comes up for you are the flashbacks or the the panic and the terror, then you're not getting the benefits of the visualization anyway. So in trauma-informed spaces, people will have you soften your gaze and close your eyes if it feels good. And I encourage you to advocate for that if you're going to a meditation class or any sort of class in which there's a component in which you have your eyes shut. Dr. David Trelevin has a really good book called Trauma-Sensitive Mindfulness that was written specifically to help people who do guided meditation and mindfulness to understand more about how the meditation could create activation in people. One of the things that I love in his book is that he discusses certain phrases and things that you would normally hear in a meditation that actually might be extremely activating for somebody. For instance, in one of the examples he gives, he talks about the phrase, you are safe in this world. That is a phrase that is not true for a lot of people of marginalized groups. Many in the LGBTQ community and in the BIPOC communities are not safe on a daily basis. And when we sit down to do a meditation, we may choose wording such as, in this moment you are safe. But if you begin to try to extrapolate that out even further, and you try to say, you're going to be safe when you leave here, you're going to be safe in the rest of, safe and trying to force somebody to feel safe when it creates a cognitive dissonance, not only pulls people out of meditations, but it actually can create an activation for them. It can reactivate those senses of trauma. So for practitioners, I encourage you to think about the phrasing that you're using. Think about things such as when do you tell people that they are safe in these meditations? How do you translate that? And how does that feel for everybody who is listening to your meditation? For those of you who are participants in meditations, if you notice yourself becoming activated by a meditation, it can be worth going back and if you have a recording of it, listening to it when you're not in a meditative place and see if you can pinpoint some of the things that created that activation for you. It can be very helpful for you to take with you to therapy. It can also just be helpful for you to maybe know the things that you might not want to be using as far as guided meditations until you've done some more work around whatever it was that created that activation for you. It can also be helpful to find meditations that are done where somebody tells you beforehand what the meditation is going to be. Some of us I know really like surprises. We enjoy kind of the spontaneity and the exciting imagery that it can conjure up when we don't know where we're headed. But from a trauma-informed standpoint, if we don't tell people where they're headed on the journey, we risk causing people to become more activated. So if you're leading trauma-informed guided meditations, one of the things that you can do is at the beginning of the meditation, before everybody gets into a meditative place, you can say, we're going to do this, then we're going to do this, then we're going to do this. And it seems a little tedious, but if you think about it, it makes sense. If we're going to be flying over some rivers and landing on a beach somewhere, then somebody that has trauma around a beach experience might like to know that there's going to be a beach and an ocean involved, right? 
Most of us, we think of the beach, we think of a wonderful place, we love to be there, but I mean, there are traumatic things that happen at the beach. And so for those people, it could be helpful to be aware of that. It might cause them to maybe keep their eyes open during that part of the meditation, or since they know that it's occurring, it might not activate them because they can already be shifting their mind towards it ahead of time and controlling the beach on which they land. And if you're a participant, I encourage you to ask up front. If you want to know what the meditation is going to be around, you can always ask. Especially if you're going to a trauma-informed meditation group and maybe they're not already recommending or telling you ahead of time what it is. It's probably just because that's a relatively new idea that isn't necessarily widespread yet. And so you could say, after class, you could say, hey, it might really help me if you kind of gave an outline ahead of time as to what the meditation is going to be about. So I've gotten really excited and spent the majority of this episode talking about meditation. But there are some mindfulness-based things as well that aren't necessarily direct meditation that we can consider. One of those things that kind of straddles the line in my mind is when you do mindfulness meditation, but it's walking meditation. This can be a great option for people who the sitting still is too much and it doesn't feel good. Walking can be a really good option for them. In my book, The Trauma-Informed Herbalist, I talk about labyrinth meditations and walking the labyrinth while focusing your mind. That is a fantastic way to stay really present in the very moment that you're in, but also training the mind to be focused and, and free of, of the, the rumination and the worry that we do on such a regular basis. You will also frequently hear me discuss using tea as a mindfulness exercise. So getting one of your favorite teas, tea that has a really good smell, a really good taste to it, and brewing a cup of tea where you let the water boil and you listen to the water. If you've got a kettle like mine, it starts off kind of like a very a much higher pitched bubbly sound and then it slowly evolves into the the boiling the deeper kind of bubbling that happens when the the water boils in the kettle and then you pour the water into the cup and you watch the tea change from clear water into the colors of the tea you can smell the tea you can feel the warmth from the mug on your skin you sip on the tea notice the taste notice how the taste changes you know, when something's a little warmer versus when it's kind of back to room temperature, the, the taste can change. Those, all of those things allow you to just sit down for a few minutes, check in with yourself, see where you are, and also just be present in that moment. Not worried about what's going to happen in the future, not ruminating over what's happened in the past, just being in that moment. I hope this episode has given you some ideas as to how to embrace meditation especially if you're interested in getting back into it and maybe you're a little hesitant because of some things that you've experienced in the past, always go very slow. Work with somebody if you need support. Find different ways to bring in plant medicine as part of that support. And of course, if it's not working for you still, go ahead and pivot. You know we've talked about so much already and there's even a few more episodes to go talking about different things that we can do from a natural healing standpoint for our trauma healing journey. 
So take what works for you and leave the rest for now. Come back in six months, listen to all this again and find more things that would benefit you. That's the whole idea here is to just keep chipping away at it and you will eventually find the right combination for you. And that combination may update, especially as you begin getting some resolution with your trauma. There may be new things that speak to you that didn't before. And that's good. That's part of the journey. That's part of being here as a human. I hope you found this helpful and I look forward to catching you. We only have a couple of more episodes left. We're going to talk about yoga, Reiki, and sound therapies before we conclude this season. Thanks again for listening and I'll catch you in the next episode.